I, I wanted to start by asking us to turn to Leviticus 23. Let's uh, begin there, and while you're doing that, I wanted to uh, also express appreciation for Mr. Jennings' comments about uh, his queen, my queen, he said, uh, about his queen and the service that she provided her country, the, the Commonwealth, all those years. I don't know how many of you were able to see this week's in accord as well uh, and listen to Mr. Franks and uh, Mr. Mr. Eric Jones, and then also Mr. Hawkins' comments, uh, pastor serving in England, gave some insightful uh, comments about uh, his impressions of the Queen and, and the, the impact of that, uh, of that situation uh, on, uh, of her death on, on the country. And it's, it's just been really, really touching seeing the, uh, the overwhelming uh, comments uh, about the kind of servant that this woman was. And uh, I think it was, was it Mr. Hawkins that talked a little bit about uh, King Saul and in, you know, at some point God's spirit came upon King Saul. And I, I, I wonder, I wonder uh, as he did, you know, with, with respect to the queen and the service that she, she gave her country and the, the way that she strove to stay close to God and in, in praying daily. I wonder, you know, the degree to which God, God worked with her. I, I personally think God, God used her for a purpose and, and that she, and, and with her knowledge that she had, strove to yield to that. Did she understand the truth? Was she a part of the body of Christ? To, I, I'm, not, I'm not going to make that comment uh, one way or the other. I don't, I don't think that's the issue. Uh, personally, as we see God's word and in, in his scripture, we, we see that there are certain markers for what is the body of Christ. But, but does God use different people at different times? And, and is God pleased with the way that they uh, yield to uh, the, the way that he's guiding them for the sake of his intents and purposes being worked out? I think uh, she, she fits in one of those categories. I want to speak to that here in just a second. Leviticus 23 Verse 1, And the Lord, the Eternal, spoke to Moses, and he said, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, The feasts of the Eternal, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, these are my feasts. These consecrated, dedicated, hallowed gatherings established by the Creator God, this holy gathering for the service. Is this just another Tuesday? Is this just another Saturday? Uh, as, as we heard in the, the presentation by Mr. Carter. Uh, or, or do we recognize that these feasts that we're about to keep, and let's look at verse 3, six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work in it. It is the Sabbath of the eternal in all your dwellings. Is this just another Saturday? Is this just another Saturday? As we come before God here to, as the meeting has been convoked, a, a worship service asking God to be present here in this service. You know, when you think about uh, the queen, my wife told me a story. Uh, folks were talking about all the different stories they heard this week. Uh, one of, one of the stories was, uh, was it Beckham uh, was standing in line? Somebody uh, talked to, uh, I think it was Beckham, uh, and, uh, and asked him what he was standing, uh, why he was standing in line. He was 12 hours away from passing by uh, the, the casket. Uh, and and he, this, is, this is my queen. This is my queen, and she was a great lady. I, I can wait in line to see her. I think they said the line at one point was around 22 hours uh, to, to uh, see, see her. The, the story I want to share with you is what my wife told me this morning. She said the last time, uh, according to this article, if, if she heard, read correctly, the last time that the queen uh, participated, it participated in a state dinner, it may have been a steak dinner, but a state uh, dinner with the U.S. was in 2007. And uh, 2007, uh, the Bushes were uh, in, the, in the White House, so she was coming. And uh, Mrs. Bush said they prepared six months in advance for that. It was a, a full-scale preparation to, to host this, this, this 
person of royalty that uh, sat on the throne of, of, of well, for, for Great Britain and, and the empire all, all these years. Uh, they took that very seriously. They painted inside and out. I believe they painted the outside white. Uh, still, as far as I know, that's a joke, brethren, the White House. Okay, anyway, we'll, we'll continue. But they, but they, they, they uh, got the, the place perfectly set, and every, every detail of that service, uh, of, of hosting her there, the, the evening, the meal, all, all of that uh, was planned to a tee including you know what they were wearing what they would wear what what it would look like how it would all uh, play out and then of course they they hosted the queen and and her entourage there and it was a wonderful wonderful uh, dinner and evening and at the end of it she insisted on meeting all of the of the house staff who were there serving that evening and they they all came out and lined up and she greeted each one of them and, and talked with them and thanked them for serving uh, there that evening. And then she returned to her homeland. And, and then the, the house staff at the White House received an invitation from her personally to join her at Buckingham Palace for a meal. She would play host to them because she, she said she realized that she'd put on so many of these herself, the, the degree of labor and sacrifice that the staff uh, does to make something like this happen. So here she, uh, she invited them, and they, they came, and they enjoyed a wonderful meal with the queen uh, uh, later. I, I, think, I think about that, and I think about what would it be like for us to, to host the queen in our home? What would it be like for us to be invited to go before the, the queen? You know where I'm going with this, brethren. Uh, where are we right now? In whose presence do we dwell? We dwell right now in the presence of a being who has established not only this day as holy, he's established this convocation as holy. The Sabbath, uh, think about this statement, the Sabbath service is a holy convocation that occurs during holy time. The fourth commandment is remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, to keep it holy. And here we are. God chose to hallow this time. His Sabbaths are to be hallowed. His convocations are hallowed. We can choose to hallow these or profane them. Have you ever profaned the Sabbath? Have you ever profaned the holy convocation? That's something to consider. I, as, I, as I think of of, of my life growing up in the church and, and some of the situations that I allowed myself to get into at different times, sometimes stumbled into a situation where I, I had to step back and recognize, you know what, I, I didn't handle that the best way. I didn't, I didn't honor this time that the eternal God has established this, this stepping back, this unplugging, as Mr. Uh, Carter talked about, and, and taking this day that, as we read here, the, the eternal God established, it is his time. And not only is it his time for the Sabbath, it is his time for this holy convocation. Uh, it, let's look at a, a, another passage here. I'll uh, go ahead and have you turn there. We'll get to it in just a second. Let's go to Exodus 23. But think about it. What, what is the purpose of the service? How much emphasis and what kind of prioritization do you and I uh, place on being here? What should we get by, re, uh, what should we receive by attending here in this holy convocation? What should we give? Do we have a responsibility to give by attending here uh, today on his holy Sabbath day uh, at this holy convocation? How important is our example with respect to the actual service that we're, in which we're engaged right now. How important, young and old, do we place on the service each Sabbath, each annual Sabbath? In the next month, uh, Mr. Vaughn talked about September 17th, what were you doing uh, one year ago? Incidentally, one person came up to me today and said, Mr. Burnett, what were you doing five years ago on this date? And I said, I have no idea. He said, I know exactly what you were doing. You were performing uh, Josh and Kelsey's wedding out at Quant Ranch. And Okay, I guess I was. I didn't remember that. But, uh, but, but September 17th is today. By the time we finish October 17th, one month from now, we will have attended 17 services. 
17 services in the next month. 12 of those services will be Sabbaths. They will be annual uh, or weekly Sabbaths. How does each of us, or how will each of us, plan for each service, each occasion of, of holy time? I'd like for us as individuals, as families, to, to step back and reflect a bit on the Sabbath service today. What goes on during the service? What goes on prior to the service? What surrounds the service? What goes on in making the Sabbath service occur? What strategies are we implementing as families? What strategies are we implementing as individuals, as part of the body of Christ, to be a part of this holy convocation, this, this, this meeting, this convoking of a meeting where God says, I am, I am present there. I have made this time holy within my holy uh, Sabbath day, the Sabbath which I have made holy. I, I don't intend this to be a corrective message, but I, but I ask us, you know, what, what patterns are we following? What, what patterns are we following in our lives uh, that, that are helpful to us making this as what God would have us do? And what, what patterns might we be following that could be detrimental? Again, I, I, don't, I don't intend this to be a corrective sermon where Burnett gets up and talks about his pet peeves about what should and shouldn't be done during the Sabbath service. But, uh, but I may step on some toes uh, today. I, I may step on uh, my toes. Well, I know I'll step on my toes a bit because I've, I've given it already. And I, there are certain aspects here that I, upon which I need to continue to focus. But, but, but what, what can we do? I want this to be more of a checkup, a review, so you and I can reflect on the patterns that we follow with respect to God's Sabbath from sunset to sunset, which occurred last night at sunset and ends tonight at sunset. What kinds of patterns are we following? What, what kinds of uh, things are we doing that we want to make sure that we maintain? But also, what are some of the things that we, we know we need to do? We need to alter these a bit. It's not working as well as it should. I am not, because of this, this, and this, uh, I, I'm, I'm not doing this to the level that, that I believe God looks down upon me and is pleased. Uh, so what can I do to enhance some of those things? What represents our part? What represents your part and what represents my part to play in the service? How should we view our part in the body of Christ during this time? So I, I said Exodus 23, so you should be there. Exodus 23, let's look at three passages quickly. Three passages here. Exodus 23, we'll first look at verse 10. Exodus 23, verse 10. 10. Six years you shall sow your land and gather in its produce, but the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow, that the poor of your people may eat, and what they leave the beasts of the field may eat, it, uh, eat and in like manner you shall do with your vineyard and your olive grove. Uh, so uh, again, we've talked about this uh, many times, but imagine what that is going to be like in the millennium when uh, everything is, is restored to where this is the process that people are following, that the, that the nations eventually, when all eventually come to that knowledge and all begin walking in that way, that, that the nations will, will be on this 50-year this, uh, cycle of, of everybody resting from the, these kinds of labors for an entire year. This is the kind of God that we serve that, that desires to give us that rest and, and to have the blessings from the sixth year that will carry us through that so that we're not, we're not taking care of having to do those things. It will be a, a year rest, I say we. Hopefully, I will be in a different a different body at that time. I won't, but, but mankind will, will have the opportunity to do that and then not to mention um, the 49th year when they get that rest and then the 50th Jubilee, which is another rest. It's just a wonderful plan that, that God has in place. But look at verse 12. Six days you shall do your work and on the seventh day you shall rest. God desires that we rest, that your ox and your donkey may rest and the son of your female servant and the stranger may be refreshed. Exodus 31, verse 12. Exodus 31, verse 12. The Sabbath is a sign. Uh, the Sabbath is a sign uh, of between uh, him and his people. It knows that uh, we are of God as, as we keep his Sabbaths. 
as a marker of, of who God's people are, those with whom, in whom the, God's spirit dwells. Uh, Exodus 31, verse 12, And the Eternal spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep, my Sabbaths, plural, for it's a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the eternal who sets you apart. I am the one who consecrates you. Part of our, our being here on the Sabbath, part of our being at, at, at the feasts, is to realize that God is the one who has sanctified us. He's the one that set us, part, set us apart for his holy purpose uh, to, to serve him in, in, in this lifetime. He's the one who does that. You shall keep the Sabbath, verse 14, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. That's, that's not stated lightly. Whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest. It's holy to the eternal. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, he, even the Lord, rested. He, did he need to take a break? He was really he was just plumb tuckered out. He had to take a break. Uh, he wasn't going to make it through the next week if he didn't rest. That, it's not, that's not the essence here. But he created recreated everything in six days, stepped back from it, rested from that labor, looked at what he had created, and was refreshed by that. He took the time, he established a 24-hour a period uh, for mankind to be able to step back, just as he was refreshed in, in doing what he had done. He wants us to experience that weekly uh, experience of stepping back and resting uh, as we begin to, to think like God. Mr. Carter talked about how, how it is a, a stepping back to, to uh, just, just being there in that environment of where they served at F FOI and in a sense being forced through the toothbrushing, tooth, teeth brushing, tooths brushing incident to step back and, and, and see this is the great God where I'm dwelling here on this earth as I look up into the stars and I see his incredible creation I, and here I am here with God's people and reflecting on all uh, that, that is around me and, and not only that but all what God has in store uh, for all of mankind as we look out into not only the Milky Way but the universe. Look at Isaiah 58. Familiar passages uh, here that discuss the Sabbath, but this is the third verse I wanted to cover. Isaiah 58. God's intent for us is to call the Sabbath a delight, uh, to turn our feet away from doing our pleasure uh, on, on this day, to disconnect from things, as uh, Mr. Carter mentioned, to disconnect from our electronic devices. Now, I, I make a qualifier there, of course, because... Uh, some of us, as the Sabbath comes, that's our time to, to connect with some of our friends from a, across the country or a, across the globe to, to be able, uh, maybe that's part of uh, your Sabbath routine is, is through electronic devices, connect with some of other, others of God's people and encourage one another. But you know what I'm saying, it's just uh, to disconnect, as he was saying, the need to step back from that, to call the Sabbath a delight. Look at verse 13. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from, meaning from doing your own pleasure on, here he says, this is my holy day, this is my time. And yet instead, call the Sabbath a delight, a luxury, an exquisite delight. The holy day of the eternal, honorable. So if, if we turn our feet away from that, and as we do that, we, and honor him not doing our own ways, not finding our own pleasures, not speaking our own words, he says, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. The mouth of the eternal has spoken it. I submit to you that so many here in this congregation say, this is how I live my life. This is what I do. And I am so thankful that God provides that. I have seen how he has caused me to ride on the high hills of the earth through the Sabbath day that he gives us. Uh, 
and you get it, you have proven it, and you are all about doing that every day. I, I would also submit that there are probably a, a, a significant number of people that are still kind of trying to sort that out, that still haven't yet solidified this is what I need to do. A young person's got to work that through. You know, this is what his parents or what her parents are teaching. They've lived this, but in the meantime, their, their brains are developing, their minds are developing. Is, is this really what I want? And do I really catch the vision of that? Do, do I want to put, am I willing to positively put God to the test on this to understand uh, how to call the Sabbath a delight and, and to realize what God has in store for me to ride on the high hills of the earth? I'm, I'm right, brethren, I'm riding on the high hills of the earth. I, as I see the, the blessings that God has poured out uh, on me in my life, not that I've, I'm anything great, but it's because of what uh, in a part of God's calling is the understanding of, of simply the Sabbath. It's, it's such a, a beautiful blessing that he's given us. Notice verse 1 of 59. Behold, the, the, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But then he says in verse uh, 2, your iniquities have separated you from God, uh, cause and effect, as uh, these principles, as was talked about in the sermonette. Uh, our iniquities can separate us from our God, and our sins uh, have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So as we, we think about uh, the Sabbath and, and also about uh, this holy convocation that takes place on his holy day, I want to talk now about how we can make the most. Let's brainstorm a bit about how we can make the most of the Sabbath day and also the holy convocation. You know, one of the, one of the things that we definitely uh, want to do is, is we want to create a change of pace. Do you, do you, have you put a pattern in place in your life to where a change of pace happens as we near sunset? One of the passages in Scripture, we won't turn there, actually it's in two or three passages in the New Testament, talks about the preparation day. Uh, because it was the preparation day, they did not, uh, they, they needed to get Christ's, uh, Christ's body in the, in, in the bur buried. Uh, so they need to put him in the tomb. Uh, you know, what, what they were coming up on was, of course, a high day, a holy day, an annual day of rest, the first day of unleavened bread, which began that night at sunset. So uh, around the ninth hour, around uh, you know, 3 p.m. or so, a little after, Jesus Christ died. And, and it says, because it was the preparation day. Now, some have talked about uh, the preparation day uh, and and, and what, what that means. And we, we've got to be careful, I think, as, as God's people in, in looking at that. Uh, Josephus talks about it in uh, Antiquities of the Jews, but, but he talks about how the Roman uh, leader at the time had uh, smiled favorably upon the Jews to where the, the, the uh, decision would be that they would never put the Jews in a court of, of judgment or put them before a judge any time after the ninth hour when it was, before the, when it was on the preparation day before a Sabbath. So, uh, so they had that, uh, that afforded to them that they would never be called, called to a court situation when you're getting around 3 o'clock in the afternoon because sunset's coming at some point. They, uh, they wanted to uh, protect that uh, time was they knew how important it was for the Jews of that time to keep God's Sabbath day. Uh, and again, here we, we, we mentioned this, this because it was the preparation day with respect to Christ, Christ's death and them needing to get him in the ground. Well, what does scripture say about that? Does scripture say thou shalt keep the preparation day uh, so thou shalt be able to keep the Sabbath? Uh, I believe, as, as we look at scripture, it's more of a reference. Uh, one, another historian talks about the, that preparation day as being something that the, uh, either the Pharisees or Sadducees had, had developed in order to try to protect the Sabbath day, that, that they would enact certain things on, uh, on the day before the Sabbath in order that when the Sabbath came at sunset, they would be ready to keep the Sabbath. Uh, so, you know, is it, is it a commandment? Uh, today is the preparation day, so we must do all of these things. I, I, I think we can, we can, if 
you understand what I mean. We, we can go to too much of an extreme with that. But, you know, I think there is some, some wisdom uh, behind uh, this, this whole concept of a, of a preparation day, meaning this. It takes work, think about this, it takes work and planning to be able to rest on the Sabbath. Uh, six days shall you work, and you can work right up until the Sabbath begins. But in order to, to be able to enjoy and rest on the Sabbath, uh, as, as God would intend, to some degree, it takes some planning to do that. We can just kind of, you know, slam into the Sabbath, or, or we can ease into the Sabbath, so we're in that, that, that frame of mind. So I, I understand what either the Pharisees or Sadducees were talking about in that, that we need, you know, they, they started enacting all these things so that nothing happened past this time, so the Sabbath could be uh, kept properly. But, but there is a principle for us. There is a principle for us of, of what do I do on Friday, what do I do before an annual holy day as I'm nearing the Sabbath to prepare to be able to rest on the Sabbath day? So that's, that's, a, that's a check. That's, that's a check. I'd like us to consider that. Think about that. Uh, what am I doing in my life now? Are we, are we prepping to where when the Sabbath comes in, we can keep that time holy? Or does the Sabbath hit, and then about two, two and a half hours later, then we're kind of finally starting to settle in? Uh, so there are some things that we can do. But, but once, we, once we begin uh, the Sabbath, what, what are the kinds of things that we can do that, that make it a change of pace, uh, that make the Sabbath a delight? What are you doing? What, what are we doing? Uh, I can tell you some of the things we do. I've, I've talked about that before. And, and it's, it's always a work in progress. I think we find that uh, at, at different times, uh, you know, some things work, work better. But, uh, but, but there is a, a huge benefit to, to considering this because it is holy time to God. It could be Friday night dinner, the, the special dinner with, with friends, uh, special dinner with, with family. Uh, get, getting together, a, a different setup. As I've told you before, my wife and I enjoy music in the evenings when we uh, sit and have a little drink in the evening. But during the week, we listen to bossa nova, we listen to a little bit of samba, we do a little Stan Getz, um, a little bit of Paul Desmond, a little bit of Dave Brubaker. We just, we just like that, that jazz stuff. John Coltrane, it's a little too heavy for me, but I, I like that, that just that light, cool uh, jazz, samba, Sergio Mendez, and Brazil 66. But Sabbath comes, we, we change it up. We change it up. We, we, I, I personally like, uh, I like Ravel, and I like Debussy. Uh, some of you are more uh, Johann Sebastian Bach kinds of people that keep meter just in time and that gives them peace and settled feeling. For me, it starts to drive me nuts. I can listen to Bach for a little bit, but then he starts to bother me. Uh, so again, he's not around anymore, so hopefully he's not too upset with me for saying that. But, uh, but, but we, we do something different. We have ni nice, pleasant uh, music that evening and, and just, just change, we change it uh, to get us in the mindset of it is, it is a Sabbath to the Lord, a special drink, a special dessert, uh, an in accord, a FI online, a sermon video, a Bible game with, with the kids, study time, life, hope, and truth articles, a family call. We have our seven o'clock family call on Friday nights with our daughter. That's, that's, we, we do that. That's part of our, our Sabbath routine, and uh, we connect with family. Um, it could be something that, that you do within your own family, of, uh, especially with small kids, dad giving mom some, some mom time, and dad takes the kids. Uh, mom giving dad some dad time, trading off. It could be a walk, uh, a drive to a pleasant place, uh, and then you know, the following day in the morning, we have afternoon services, what we might do in the morning, uh, a big brunch, a, a time in the park, a picnic, brainstorm, you know, all the different kinds of things that, that we can do as families that, that are Sabbath appropriate, that, that call the Sabbath a delight, that uh, create an atmosphere, and especially for us as parents, to create activities uh, for our children that will help make it special for them, that, that they can, can eagerly anticipate something that, that will be done, and, and tying that to the worship of God, the, 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 the holy time that's there. It is intended to be a time of rest. You know, get a good night's sleep. 
Don't stay up till two in the morning on Friday night. You know, get a good night's rest. Uh, rested and refreshed. Uh, a nap in the morning sometimes. Uh, but, and, and especially those of us here who are uh, single, living on our own, the, the Sabbath can be an excellent time to fast occasionally. It's time when everything can shut down and, uh, and you can fast. I want to chat a bit about uh, these two concepts, though, uh, regarding the Sabbath day is holy. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And nestled in that is the, uh, the Sabbath day contains an event that is called a holy convocation. These are two separate events, and both are true statements, are they not? The Sabbath is a day of rest, and, the, and we also, on the Sabbath, have a holy convocation. But it is not restful to get to services. It is not restful to attend services and return home from services if you are elderly and aged. I mean, talk, talk with some of the individuals here who have health issues, that it is all they can do to, to get here, that the Sabbath is one of the most grueling days for them given their health condition. Uh, I've talked to several that it is very, very difficult. It's very, very hard on them to be able to come to services. Parents with small children, it is, uh, they are, I, take a look at them sometime. They, they are, parents a lot of times are strung out. It's strung out getting, getting everybody together, getting them all ready in time, uh, getting them here and then in this kind of a situation for our 45 minutes, depending on how long we go today, uh, maybe, maybe a little longer, uh, but not three hours, but, but having the kids here and, and, and maintaining that and then fellowshipping and monitoring the children after services and getting back home, it is, it is not a Sabbath, <laughs> I say, it's not, I'm not gonna say it's not a Sabbath rest, it is not restful. It is not restful. It, it is work. Folks that are working uh, jobs that are just all-encompassing, 14, 15-hour-a-day jobs, they've got to go back to work on Saturday night uh, back at what, what they're doing, and they are strung out by the time the Sabbath hits. These kinds of things happen. That, that's just three categories of people. But, but in that, what, what happens sometimes is we, even with all three categories of, of people, don't make the mistake of pitting these two concepts against one another. Because when we do that, what will happen? If we pit the two concepts against each other, well, you yeah, have the Sabbath is a holy convocation, but the Sabbath is also a rest. I am so strung out, I am so this, I am so this, I am so this, that by going to Sabbath services, I'm not getting a Sabbath rest. So I'm not going to go to Sabbath services. Uh, that, that uh, begins to move into dangerous territory. Uh, so, and, and I've seen folks fall into that. It is so difficult. Uh, I mean, I, I remember when, when, when our kids were young and, and the challenges of the handoffs, you know, and I'm, I'm going out and Lisa's going out and, and diaper or, or didn't get them to bed at the right time or we did our best and they're, they're just not comfortable. And this, it, it, is, it is difficult. It is a real real challenge, but folks can get, uh, no, no matter uh, what, what the category here, can get into a, a, a mindset to where I really am not resting if I'm going to services, and then that, that takes us down a path. So I, I want to get uh, a path that's not healthy. I, I want to move to the latter part of the message now and, and talk a little bit about this holy convocation, the Sabbath service itself. And before I do so, I want to give some qualifiers, and, and I know we've made these qualifiers before, but these, these are qualifiers that need to be made. There are individuals with health situations who cannot come to services. It is just, they just, they just it's, it's, it's health-wise, it is, it is uh, detrimental to them even being able to be here. Uh, individuals have to make that decision. There are individuals who are immunocompromised. Of course, we've been through this whole COVID situation, and it still goes on, uh, that our, their health is so compromised that it is very dangerous for them to be in, in a setting of, of a group of people. There are uh, folks with all kinds of different health situations, 
folks with small children as the, the kids are just being born and, and you know wanting to have a period of time uh, till the child is old enough to be able to bring to services. Those, th those, those are even script, that's a scriptural situation. Well, all of those, the, the uh, contagious situation, if we're, if we're feeling ill, the, the situation of, of being immunocompromised, all these kinds of things, uh, individuals must make that decision. But I'm not, I'm not talking to, to any of those individuals, and please don't think Burnett's thinking, I didn't see you here for the last three weeks, so you may be in one of those categories. I, I, I'm not. I'm saying each of us has to make that decision, but, but at the same time, if we are healthy, uh, if we are uh, able to be here at services, we need to be here because it is a holy convocation. The feast days are holy, uh, the high days are, are holy convocations. We appear before the Lord. How do we, how do we make the Sabbath service a, uh, how do we benefit the most from the Sabbath service? I want to cover a few things. Pray for the speakers. Pray for the sermonette givers. Pray for the, the special music uh, folks who are going to serve in that capacity. Uh, pray for the people who will be praying as they represent the entire congregation, as they, as they come up to pray uh, by saying we and, and us as uh, they're, they're praying to God. Arrive on time. Be, be in your seats. Be in your, at your seats ready to sing, ready to sing to God. We're, we're singing to God at services. I uh, appreciated Mr. Carter's uh, comments about uh, the, the degree to which those in Zambia see, see that, that whole concept of Ephesians 5.19 of, of singing and speaking to one another in, in, in uh, songs and hymns. As we come before God here in this holy convocation on his holy Sabbath day, we're standing up as a choir, as an assembly, as a group of people who are striving to blend our voices together. Some of us make more joyful noises than others, but we're, we're trying to make a joyful noise together. We try to blend our voices. None of us is trying to give a performance. We're, we're singing praise to God and honoring him, and we're looking at the words, and we're thinking about the words, and, and, and praising him because we're in his presence. The great God of the universe has invited us to be here. He's not invited us. He's commanded us to be here, and we're here to sing praises to him, and we sing together as, as one voice. One of the things that uh, challenges that, that and this, this maybe gets a, a little bit into pet peeves, but something I learned in my college days was, was about uh, when, when special music's being performed, we, we've always got to be thinking about, think about others. Uh, as, as special music is being performed, that's very stressful on that person who's performing that to strive to, to play, uh, play before God and, and, and praise God, and I realize emergencies arise at different times, but uh, especially with special music, we want to strive to stay in our seats. And if we're outside and, and we're coming in, uh, in that situation, we, we want to wait. We want to wait until the special music finishes because it can be very distracting uh, to, to, uh, to perform in this kind of a situation and people are coming and going. So special music is, an, is especially important for us uh, to, to especially allow folks to totally focus on that music as they're reflecting on it and, and thinking of God as the great creator. So we try, strive to create that environment. Uh, one of the things that, uh, I, I want to be very sensitive on this, but, but also uh, getting up and going to the bathroom during services. I, I could probably give 100 physiological reasons of why some of us need to go to the bathroom very frequently. So <laughs> please understand, brethren, I'm not talking about those situations. Please go to the bathroom if you need to go to the bathroom. But, but for parents especially, as we're working with our, our children and, 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 uh, and helping them in services, you know, go through the details of, okay, when we get to services, one of the things right before services start, we're gonna, we're gonna make sure we take a break, go to the restroom so that if at all possible, we won't have to get up and, and go during the service. And uh, again, not, not that we want an accident <laughs> here at services, but, but it, it's, it, it's that kind of a thing where uh, focusing on that makes a difference. We had a situation at camp years ago where we just realized, uh, I, I realized that at, at services we had a continual stream at, that, that's not a good word to say, sorry about that. 
we had a I was going to say continual flow. I'm really I'm going down here. We we had many campers who were getting up and going to the bathroom during the service, uh, and it was just like one after the other getting up and going to the bathroom. I thought, thought I it's not their fault. I haven't I haven't said anything to them about it. So the next year we made an announcement on Friday before the Sabbath to the counselors and to the campers. Hey. Uh, please, if you can, try to remember to get to the bathroom before services start. And, uh, and if, you, if you've got to go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom. So I'm watching right now. Who's got to get on him? If you've got to go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom. Uh, we, we, like I say, we have all kinds of health reasons why. But uh, that, that year, we had one person had to get up and go to the bathroom, uh, where before we must have had 20, 25. Uh, so I'm just saying it's, it's those kinds of things to plan for the service, to think about the Sabbath service, that it is, it is holy time, and we want to do the best that, that we can to prepare for that. But again, uh, you know, as parents, we teach our children on, uh, you know, pre-services, before the service begins, we, we teach them about, okay, here's the situation that's going to be happening at services. Here's, here's the kind of environment that we want to set. And, and, and uh, teach them about what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. And, and I r realize, parents, I realize it's a work in progress. Like I said, I was there and, and, and the challenges that we face. And we may feel like we've got it down and then this Sabbath, what happened? What happened to my kids? You know, all these issues. But, but, but we, we, we plan and we work with our children on what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. Uh, and then get together after the Sabbath to talk about what, what they did well, what, what they did that, uh, you know, we need to, to work on. But talking, distractions, uh, no running or horseplay. We never want our children here to be running in this hall unless it's an emergency where we've got to escape for our lives. But we don't want our children running. Uh, it's very unsafe. But for our parents to teach our children why why do we not want our children running? Why do we not want some kid sprinting down here and this kid chasing this one? Why do we want that? We, we want that. We don't want them doing that because they could hit somebody and run into a woman that breaks her hip and, and she's pretty much limited for the rest of her life. Uh, we, we love one another, so we teach our children, let's be safe. Let's, let's, don't, let's don't engage in horseplay. Let's, let's create a safe environment because we care about the young. We care about the old. Uh, we care about the middle-aged man who might get a bruise on his leg if you run into him uh, too, uh, too hard. But we, we, we think about those kinds of things, uh, but we prepare to be here at services. We've got, we've got our, our note-taking system or our, or, or, or our Bible on our laps or whatever we know works best for us to be able to take in as, as much as we're able to take in. We all have different techniques. Uh, there are some that don't take notes, that actually close their eyes and concentrate because that's what helps them think and, and take it all in. We've got some that are copious note takers. You know, you know your system, but implement that system so that you can gain the most uh, from the service. But what, what can we do? What, what, what can we do in, in terms of serving? The setup, safety, greeting crews, sound, video, webcast, snacks, Sabbath school, activities planning. Uh, parents talk with our children about ways that we can serve. All, all of these kinds of things are, are factors that go into the pre-planning for this holy convocation and, and post following up about, about how we're doing. We've got to reflect on those situations. I want to talk uh, finally here about what I would consider the, probably the biggest area of service for us. I mean, obviously, this is a holy convocation in which we're communing with God as we're looking at his word. But let's, let's think about these, these three passages of scripture. I'll just reference them and uh, won't turn there. But Philippians 4.8 Whatsoever things are true, we know this. Whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, lovely, good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, think on these things. What, what we should think on is connected to what should come out of our mouths in conversation. The most, the most valuable area of service, in my opinion, before and after, uh, is our conversation, our reaching out to one another, our listening, our sharing, our fellowshipping, our connecting, our encouraging one another, our listening. Another passage, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, Ephesians 4.29, 
but what is good for necessary edification, what builds up and encourages others. And that's just the neatest thing to see here, to, to, to hear the roar of ser- uh, conversation after services here, to, to go into the fellowship hall on Foods Day and just see the tables uh, filled with life and talking and, and interacting with one another. And then the third one, Philippians 2, 3, let nothing be done in, in essence, let nothing we say, do, or think. Let nos- nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but let each esteem others better than himself. You know, think about those three concepts and how foreign that is to, out, to, to what we see going on in social media, what we see going on with, with the way that folks are, are cutting this person down or cutting this person down or making fun at this situation, all that we see going on there. But that is not God's way. God gives us these three principles to apply in our lives to build happy, healthy connections within the body of Christ. We are individuals who are connected, uh, connected uh, across the globe, as Mr. Carter mentioned today. Self-assessment time. Do any of these apply to you or me as we turn finally to Ephesians 4? Listen to each of these as you're turning. I have difficulty steering conversations in a positive direction when folks talk about subjects that are inappropriate. I sometimes laugh at things that are said which are inappropriate, so I don't end up standing out in a crowd. My comments and topics of discussion tend to be on the negative side. I tend to complain about things. I tend to to talk about my problems. My comments and topics of discussion tend to be positive. I tend to be overly positive and unwilling to talk about things I find sad, troubling, or concerning. My body language, eye contact, eye attentiveness, uh, and the expression on my face as I'm interacting with others creates a warmth and openness for the person with whom I'm interacting to feel comfortable. My body language sometimes contradicts what I'm thinking about and and sends confusing signals to the other person. I like to talk. I like to talk to people. But when someone else is talking, I've got to admit that it's hard for me to really focus in and pay attention. I tend to fall into sarcasm, which sometimes makes others feel uncomfortable, even though I'm mainly just kidding around. I get distracted easily when I'm talking with others. I have trouble picking up nonverbal cues from others. I don't, I don't read body signals well and, and am often unaware of how I'm coming across to others. I am so hyper aware of how I may be coming across to others that I find myself clamming up and not being able to be myself around others. As I start getting close to someone in friendship, I start to assume that the friends should know what I'm thinking or what, 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 I'm, what I'm getting at. They should read my mind. I mean, they know me well enough by now, and I get frustrated with that person when he or she doesn't pick up on those things. I tend to gravitate towards people who talk more than they listen, or I tend to gravitate towards people who listen more than they talk. No, I enjoy an equal balance of those. Why? Why on any one of those three, if, if you fall into one of those categories? What can I learn about myself from this? Two others. It's difficult for me to interact with others about things in life that are really important, that are really important. You know, the things about God, spiritual subjects, his way of life, his plan, etc. And lastly, if I'm honest with myself, I realize that I'm, I'm just not as interested in the lives of others as my own life. Do a self-assessment. Talk to some people who know you well, who would tell you, you know what, here are some of the things that, that, that I find as I see you interact with me, as I see you interact with others, that, that this, is, this is a bit of an issue. Talk with folks about that. We, here we are, the body of Christ, striving to, to work together. We are to, to build, uh, build up the church. Uh, so beyond uh, conducting a self-assessment, consider sitting down with a close friend who can give us some honest feedback. You know, the key rests 
with then looking at the root causes of, of, of those good, bad, and ugly areas. Because I think we've all got good. We've probably all got some bad areas where we just don't do as well as we should in some of those areas of connecting with God's people. And we may have some ugly, uh, ugly er areas in terms of, uh, of that. But, but the key rests in, in trying to find the root cause of that, taking that cause to God, uh, asking for God's guidance and help, developing plans and strategies to address these and build on that. that that's part of this, of this situation of, of being here on the Sabbath, being a part of the Holy Convocation and then interacting uh, afterwards. Let's turn finally to Ephesians 4. You know, Ephesians 4, the book of Ephesians brings this together. Uh, Ephesians 3 talks about the, the fellowship of the mystery that we have, the, the, the partnership that we have, the, the participation, the, the communion that we have, the connection that we have. In various, uh, you know, it's talking about whatever the race is that we are, whatever our ethnicity, we're, we're, we're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We're, we're connected on this level. We are, we are all a part of one. And then we see in Ephesians 4 another familiar passage for us. But he, he talks about, in verse 1, walking worthy of this calling with which we were called. This is a, a worthy calling. Mr. Vaughn talked about... Uh, that this calling has with it responsibilities and accountability before God. How are we doing in that? Are we committed to, to doing all that we, we, we can in, in building up the body of Christ? Here he says in verse 2, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering and bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, because there's one body, there's one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one fourth and one, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. It's all a part of this, this connection that's here. And so I ask this, as, as we think about this, these do not occur if we do not spend time with one another. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. The kinds of things that he's talking about, this building together, does not occur unless we spend time with one another. It's pretty basic. But it's a reality. It's a reality that is so critical for us. The coming together of the Holy Convocation offers us this opportunity as we gather to worship God, as we gather to worship God on a weekly basis and annually with the Holy Days. Brethren, may we continue to prioritize not only God's Sabbath day, his holy Sabbath day, but also God's holy convocations as the body of Christ as we're going into this fall festival season. Happy feast.